Well, I don't really have th- anything too zany, except uh, Matt Ray. You were telling me that the in the metaverse you can have legs now, right? Is that <laughs> is that the case? It's the greatest news ever. Yeah. So so we'll be able to people will be able to move instead of float around. That's great. I mean, legs legs probably. Yeah, what is the official news, Matt? For those out. maybe that didn't see it. Uh, I just, I, you know, like, like the rest of the internet, I get my news from Twitter and, uh, I saw the meta, I was announcing that we now have legs. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think the, the 53 users who are on there will probably enjoy being able to walk around. Maybe they can, Mm. you know, go off and start a new community somewhere else. But, uh, I think this is a big breakthrough. Well, I, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit before we recorded here about, uh, about, VR and I think virtualization in the metaverse, as I incorrectly uh, brought up, but just <laughs> VR stuff. And like, I think, I think, uh, you know, it is, it is kind of like another topic maybe we'll get to here platform engineering. Like, in the, we're in the tech world. You never want to just like write something off completely as just like whatever. Uh, but like, uh, I think maybe, maybe that the habit that I try to learn, one is just to be curious and interested in things rather than just shitting on them right from the get go. Cause, oh, sure. cause then, cause then just, you just you know, make, you make a mess. Yeah. <laughs> especially, especially if you don't when have legs. legs are going to come back strong and I'm going to look, I'm going to look silly being like, how come, how come they had to announce that the metaverse has legs? Exactly. And, and, and it seems like, you know, the, the, the other downshifting to that, right? Like, you know, it's always nice. I wrote myself a note this once that like, in fact, I think I have this in my daily thing to look at of things to remind myself, which clearly I don't look at every day. But like, you know, instead of being negative or arguing, just ask people, uh, you know, why and how ask people to explain themselves. I think I've gone over this before that if 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 I'm kind of like uh, don't know what to talk about with with some stranger that I have to talk with, I try to just interview them and ask them a bunch of questions. You know, that's why I'm always like, how's that? Is that fun? You know, what What do you do? Like, and people love talking about that. And then next thing you know, you can go get some more like, you know, king crab claws that are pre-cracked for you <laughs> or whatever. Cote's guide to small talk. Get them to talk about themselves and slip off for the crab. Get onto That's the crabs right. like it. Anyways, uh, you know, it's it seems like what, what you want to do. Uh, well, one, I mean, I just think all the, the, the metaverse VR stuff is total bullshit. However... Hey. Like, like <laughs> probably, was. probably the right prediction is to like, is to like have or like pull down to a third, whatever the, the razzle dazzle is. And that's where things will pan out. Right. So it's like, you oh, know, yeah. like, uh, and, and, and that got me to thinking like, like, I don't mean this to sound the way it does if you were listening to what I was just saying, but like over the, the last 20 years, IBM always has this like vision of like, you know, computing of the future, right? And, you know, I used to go to the labs that they had in Austin and you would see things and, and, and it would be like technology, technologically sophisticated and business important stuff, but like not interesting from like a, a consumer standpoint. Like one of the things they had that I, I vaguely remember is it was just like the hospital room of the future. Mm-hmm. And it was just, and like, the, you know, I'm sure many of us have been in a hospital room, either visiting someone or ourselves. And yeah, you do go into a hospital room and you're like, what century am I in? Right? Like, what is going on here with all this stuff? And it's crazy. And like, and then the way things run, obviously, you know, it needs more computer is is what's going to solve that situation. But, and then on and on and on, right? Like, like however many years ago when they, when they were going to use the blockchain to ensure a secure uh, fruit delivery chain, 
you know, supply chain in, in all these areas and all this kind of stuff. It's sort of like, oh, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense that you're just going to, like, incrementally improve the way business is done so that it frees up resources or just get you straight up profit and that's you're done right never mind or and or so that you can maybe like come up with new stuff and be competitive and blah blah so you know it makes me think like what are the industrial applications of vr that ibm and other people have talked about you know and it's all stuff like like architects and like uh surgeons plumbers mechanics mechanics. yeah 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 yeah. all right just i mean i guess now that i think of it basically to like see through walls and 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 flesh like see-through well, but, walls of flesh and yeah. actual walls and and then and then also maybe like like the thing you can do with ikea where you're sort of like arranging furniture and and mm-hmm. things like that and that that would be nice to be or or if you were like you know we're renting our house uh in austin if anyone wants to rent a lovely house uh it's available you can should go check it out My, mine a, too real soon i should put a link in the in the show notes there it's got great pictures uh but uh, anyways, I, my pick and, and you can make mine your pick. <laughs> I can see that if you're one of these Californians that wants to rent a house in Austin or buy a house, you could like put put on your goggles and like go walk around the house, right? And well, virtual and, tour, yeah, like yeah. That. And it w- it would almost be hilarious to see how they made that make the rooms look bigger than they actually are. <laughs> like like how would you know? Of course, you have whatever. But it's so like I could buy that. Like sure, so you're gonna do that kind of stuff, but. Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Like, more of it is just sort of like, yeah, when's the hardware going to get cheap enough and, like, fast enough? And then your network connection be reliable enough so that you could do, like, you could walk or you could do a home tour. Maybe that's the use case that we need. Once you can do a home tour, then we're basically there. But I think, Coach, you're hitting on a couple, like, really interesting, I think, good points in the whole thing around kind of, like, the meta We'll have the meta conversation about the metaverse. It's sort of like, hey, when we evaluate all these new ideas that we see, I think the first question is like, who's pushing it? Where is it coming from? Because I think we all have experience around, you kind of see things happen kind of like, if you will, from the ground up, right? You know, people are like, oh, people are you know starting to do this container thing. They're using this free tool Docker and you start to see it kind of percolate. And you're like, that's always kind of the, the grassroots is always the most interesting, right? It's like, wow, people know they have this problem and they're finding their own tools to do it. And you're like, so I think anytime you see something like that or like a, a new site gets out there that you don't really know much about, but then suddenly lots of people are using it and they're telling you about it. It's like, okay, then that's always a good sign of like real need, potential opportunity. And then yes. what you're talking about with IBM, we'll call it the Watson approach. Like IBM sort of brand something Watson in this case, uh, you know, Facebook rebrands itself meta and metaverse and Oculus. And it's like, well, those are clearly companies trying to push something down, right? They have a need for like what they think would be a gigantic market. And then all of the things you just mentioned, along with that initiative is a whole slew of aspirational use cases that are easy to conceptualize, but they're also not things you actually see. Like when you go to the real hospital, you don't yes. see any of that stuff. Like when you have a meeting, you do it on Zoom, you don't do it in a metaverse, right? So so that's, I think, there's more reason to be skeptical of those than I think others, right? Because those, I think we all have experience of like the people pushing well, it, you know, having, a, have an inherent agenda, but like they can't just will the need into it. Yeah, now, sometimes it yeah. works out. Sometimes they'll flip it around. Sometimes I, it's like something does get pushed down, but, but yeah. it's much harder. It's much harder to do it that oh, way yeah. than to see I, it. And I, I, I feel like maybe you, you're, you're putting a word around something I've been feeling for a few years now, which is like, I think I'm suffering from like aspiration fatigue. Like, <laughs> like just like, I don't yeah. know, like, like exactly I, to your point of like, 
I don't really like care. Well, care. I, I, I'll put it in caring words. Like, you know, I'm not really interested in spending a lot of time on like VR metaverse stuff. But it sure would be nice to see what interesting little innovations they have in Zoom to make things better, right? Like, right. like I remember, like as as an example, at some point, I think most of the calendaring systems and software made it so that if you had a Zoom link in there, you could just like click join, like mm-hmm. not just a URL, but it was aware that it was in there, and it was just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That that seemed to have showed up in in Mac Calendar recently. Now right, there's right. like a, a join button, and like it's, I don't know exactly. when that happened, but that that's the kind of like. And, and and I think Apple has kind of the best approach to this. You know, they definitely have their moonshots. Um, and but the problem with moonshots is they're really expensive. You know, and and I think recently we heard you know Tim Cook doesn't. They don't use the word metaverse. You know, like people don't know what that is. You know, they can't go there. They can't do anything with that. But what they'll do is they'll take they'll they'll you know point the ship to like tack that way. We're like, well, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll we'll make some motion towards that. You know, we'll add support for that hardware even though nobody's using it we'll you know we'll we're not gonna like bet the the company on that though and so when uh. somebody ibm facebook theranos has blown a ton of money in some sector of the market and have nothing to show for it you're like hmm maybe that wasn't a good idea or maybe they're like they pointed out the places we can take advantage of i mean i i I mentioned theranos because i'm I'm watching that dropout thing and i you know we all know how it ends but i keep thinking it's like Please tell me there was something useful that came out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and like like you know maybe okay so maybe another use case that would be good is like if we could if if VR stuff is going to make it so we can finally hang pictures on the wall and like know how to line them up and where to put them but, and all. So uh, the, I, the challenge is hang up a picture that requires two hooks, right? Like and <laughs> and if you can do that successfully. Then the next stage, that's like level one of the maturity cycle. The next stage is now I'm going to give you three pictures. And I want, you need to be able to do some VR thing where basically like you look at the pictures, you look at the wall, and then you do kind of like, you know, in PowerPoint, you can do like distribute horizontally or distribute vertically. And you basically like distribute like horizontally or vertically. And then in your goggles or whatever, it basically figures out oh where to put gosh. the pictures. But- and yeah. where to put the in, and you have dual screws screws on both of them, and so basically you're moving around. You're wearing the goggles, and like like a laser sight for like a guided missile, like it goes in and it's like put the holes here, right? <laughs> and like well, if if that works, let's say ninety nine percent of the time, then boom, we've got it, right? Like and, and humanity will have Depot. evolved. Yeah, and, and you can buy it at Home Depot, and it's less than twenty bucks. That's or even even better, they just come with a pack of nails. Like like the the, the, the the Googles just come with nails. <laughs> Oculus, now with the nails. Software Defined Talk is brought to you by Teleport. Every hack follows the same problem. First, hackers exploit a human error, like a leak key or a secret left in code. They gain a foothold and then pivot, moving from one compromised system to the next. Sound familiar? Teleport breaks this cycle. Open source Teleport gives every engineer, every piece of hardware, every application an identity. Replacing secrets like password and keys with auto-expiring, identity-based certificates, the Teleport platform reduces the opportunity for human error, increasing productivity, and revolutionizing security and compliance. Learn why the most valuable visionary businesses in the world choose Teleport at GoTeleport.com. And of course, 
We thank Teleport for sponsoring our show. Well, speaking of aspiration fatigue, I, I, you know, I've been spending uh, the past week or so trying to catch up on the whole storm of platform engineering stuff. And I think, I think what happened here is over sometime in the past month or so, uh, there was, uh, is it Humanitech? They, they put on this platform con and there's a lot of great talks there. I need to go watch. I've only watched the one by, uh, well, that's not true. I, 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 I genuinely watched the one by my old friend Paula Kennedy, who used to work here. She taught me everything I know about, uh, as we called it back then, platform as a product and everything. And, and she, she had a great, uh, she's got a great update to her whole, like, what is this platform business stuff, which is, which is really nice. She's always well-organized and uh, educative. <clears throat> is that the right word? Anyhow, there are many other sessions to go over. I'm I'm eager to watch the one from Walmart, but I think I think it's also driven a lot of discussion of uh, you know what 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 is this thing? How is it different than uh, whatever we have now? I mean, ultimately the question is how is it different than uh, than DevOps? And in fact, I think someone had the uh, in in Paula's talk there in the QA period. I should go back and listen to it because they had the old. They didn't even say this is uh, more of a, a statement than a question, but it was basically a, a statement with a question mark at the end. And I think, you know, I mean, we, we can get into the details, but, you know, I just like to pile on a bunch of random stuff. But they had a good positioning of platform engineering, I think, in this question, which was, which I'm, I'm, I'm messing it up, but it was basically like DevOps is about like culture and operation and, and like how you work. And then SRE is basically about like, keeping your stuff up and running, which is phrased better. But, you know, it's the actual, like, doing the 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 the, in, the insight. Incident management and scalability, like the actual things like that. And then platform engineering was like, I, I've kind of forgot how they defined that, but it was basically like the actual tools and developer-centered stuff. I've totally ruined their summary of it. But that's that's <laughs> the whole deal. It's like, I think I think now... A lot of us need to take another, like, you know, a, a couple of weeks and just go figure out what's going on with, with this platform engineering business with, with the notion of seeing, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but seeing if we now have a, have a label for kind of like an amorphous thing that was running around out there. And, you know, I think, I think the, the one conclusion, the one sort of thing I've come to that I think is, is pragmatic and helpful uh, aside from all the obvious stuff, right? The obvious stuff being that, like, well, what we're talking about here is you have uh, you have your developers who are writing software for your organization, and uh, you want to have people building the, the the runtime stack and the way all their stuff is like uh, packaged up and all the release and configuration management. But then also you want to add in self service stuff for them getting uh, for developers getting the resources and deploying stuff and all the work that they do. And uh, in addition to that. Uh, you also, I think, I don't think anyone says middleware, but I think the platform engineer is in charge of like providing the middleware and getting that up and running. So, so, you know, you have all of that, but then I think, I think the major, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, we, we, I love to think in cycles and I think originally DevOps was all about tools and technologies like Puppet and Chef and, and the other ones. And then, and then perfectly finely so it went all culture and then you had phrases like you know technology is easy people are hard <laughs> it's not about the tools and then i think i've already launched into my uh my uh history of of things here i've forgotten the points i was going to make a couple a couple uh stacks above here but then i think what happened is 
is we were all cool in the pass era, but then people didn't want to buy into that. And then Kubernetes came around. And as I think I've covered here and there, like at that DevOps Days Dallas talk, so we basically just entered this uh, recurrence of reinventing the platform. And now Kubernetes is like low enough down. And I think everyone agrees that you've got to build a stack on top of it, a platform to make it usable by developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so therefore, the technology is driving like a reevaluation of the practices. And in the same way that DevOps is kind of born of like, we need better automation than like uh, Blade Logic and uh, Opsware and whatever else. Like now it's sort of like, yeah, we actually need some tools and technologies and ways of using them that like make Kubernetes well, usable by developers. And then there you go. You're sort of like, and here we are again. And then in three years, we're going to like all be about culture and not and, and kind of <laughs> well, so, de-emphasize the tools and the technology. So, so do you do you think that platform engineering is is kind of like, you know, everyone got aspirational fatigue from DevOps, and and they're like, you know what, that all that stuff sounds great and really hard, but you know what, why don't? And, and then you know, SRE came along, and they're like, oh, so we can just grab the techniques without grabbing the, you know, the or we can grab you know the the organizational structure without grabbing the the you know inherent fixes to the system and then you know platform engineering just shows them like well this is what we're going to call this new thing you know that devops thing that's still way off there in the future you know they've got legs but we don't Mm. and um you know we're going to we're just going to call the new model this and well i think those the charity majors article i think she does a pretty good job i think of sort of like the why like why is all this happening and i think the thing that she hits on is so you know why does this need to exist is that you know if you sort of implemented devops and i think she kind of says it you know in an article here pretty well it says you know the complaint is at some point you're sort of asking everybody to know everything about everything it's like hey we're all devops team it's like we're all on call like everyone has to be able to fix the platform fix the features fix the domain logic and you know, I think that's really where people's, I, I think, you know, in her article here, she kind of points out, like, that seems to what people object to It's Like, you can't expect me to know everything about everything. It's very frustrating. Uh, I can't, you know, do my job. And so I, you know, the response, and as she kind of points out, is that platform engineering is sort of, you know, the response is to say, okay, well, we need some division of responsibility, which is what I think people yearn for, even if, you know, it'd be great if everyone knew everything about the platform and the domain logic and the front end and the back end. But that's what's frustrating. So the platform engineering is really the attempt to kind of, you know, provide that division of responsibility. And I think her, one of the things she says here is, is that, you know, all engineers, quote, write code and all engineers run the code they write. But we distribute the areas of responsibilities by layer of function, which I think is just what human beings like want. Like, I think if I hold you responsible for running your code or fix the things that you own. I think people are fine with that. I think people want that. I think it's when you go beyond that, when you're like, I'm editing the front end and I built the front end and now I have to somehow edit a YAML file to deploy a new server where people sort of get frustrated. And I think that's what this is trying to do. So I don't know, Kote, what do you think? Is that like a reasonable yeah, yeah. reason I've, for I've, platform engineering to exist? Yeah. And and like, I think, I mean, there's two things there. And, and again, like, I I I need to like learn what all the people who talk about this say their deal is before I just make it up. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that you know stopped us from before. 
the, you know, you know that that said, I, I mean, in contrast, right? Like, I feel I feel like I and all of us have been around DevOps for the past ten or so years, and so like we can say whatever we want because like we we we've stewed in it. Like when when you're when you're in the stew, you can comment on it, even if you're just like you know a minor part of it or or, or whatever. But like. So I, I still don't quite know what what the 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 the, the self identifying platform engineers like think about themselves as apart from like what already exists or we were aspiring to. But I think I think one thing that like uh, I mean there's two things. One like yeah I mean as long as someone doesn't get pissed off about the term bimodal IT in this round of sorting this problem out, we'll probably will arrive at a very helpful thing, which is like. Yeah, application developers don't want to do all that. And and like, you know, and, and nor nor should they really, right? And this is this is something that, you know, back in the uh the 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 past days, we were always trying to get across to people and people and in the platform engineering world, you basically have this same thing of like, yeah, application developers shouldn't be doing any of this. That's a bad idea, right? And so it's almost like you essentially you know, it's a taboo thing in the DevOps world to to like have this like pretty strong separation between uh, the roles or whatever, right? And and I don't know, that's a very unsophisticated way of putting it. And so I think it probably turns out that yeah, your operations and infrastructure people are pretty separate from your developer people, right? And then structurally, and this is what people are always trying to solve. I mean, this is this causes a problem of the uh the operations and infrastructure people can't keep up with what the developers want to do and then in the other direction the developers like keep fucking things up right <laughs> like they 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 don't have enough knowledge about like if they would just stop writing code we could yeah if, if you know if they would just like we we went over this stuff in the meeting and we have it documented and they have to do this but and they think they're they're all all the arguments that like vendors can use against companies who think they're special. Like I'm sure the operations people use against developers are just like, I don't know why they need this version of the database. This one is perfectly fine. They make all these claims that they're special, but really, whatever. And so like, you get you get in that classic thing of like the developers want to do something different and and faster than the operations people can support. And next thing you know, you've got an ESB, right? Like, and 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 just like so. So I, I, no, 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 Cote, this is 2022, a service mesh. Exactly. Right. Yeah. There you go. And so, I mean, that's that's the tension that you have. And I guess, like, and and I know that this is another thing that, like, I'm sure someone with much more learnedness would would point out why I'm wrong. But like, I don't know if like organization structural fixes address just like technology problems very well and like in this case the technology problem is that like just the tools i mean get it giving developers the tools they want and getting it up and running like takes a long time for the organization to be comfortable with right like you don't you don't run around like upgrading your your stuff every month Right, like it's a long process, and this would be interesting to see as uh, platform engineering evolves. Like, what's the role of just like you know upgrading Kubernetes? <laughs> like, like at some point, like we'll your role as a yeah, yeah, at some point, your role of platform engineer is just going to be like updating the platform, and that's going to be thrilling. Uh, and like, 
well, you got to talk to each of the stakeholders. You got to, you know, schedule right, right. everything. It's like, and, oh, this. And I don't know. Maybe I'm arguing my way out of it. Maybe all of that stuff is cultural, structural, and the technology is totally fine. But my sense is that we probably need to spend a lot of time on the technology to make sure that it's not the one at fault, right? And and at that point, but still, like, like okay, I'm, I'm babbling here. But I think, one, we've got this idea in play again that, like, we're going to have an operations group that's separate from the dev group. And then how are we going to solve the, 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 the rascally developer problem, <laughs> right? Or, or solve the problem of, like, we need to update the platform uh, fast enough so that we satisfy the needs of the developers or we need to tell them to calm the fuck down and just use well, the stuff. Well, or maybe that, the better way to say it, or you just, you know, it's just kind of like that process repeats itself where it's like, okay, the developers have to like take more ownership of the new thing and then that until it yeah, rolls yeah, yeah, into yeah. the platform because there totally. is always the fundamental tension. I think just what you said is perfect, right? It's like, hey, there's something new the developers want to do, but at the same time, developers don't want to own it for the long term, right? And I think this is that, that tension that sits there. It's like, okay, well, if it's not supported right now, like go ahead, get it working. You're going to have to own it for the moment, but like, let me give you a path that's relatively painful or painless or painful, depending to get it then back supported. And I think, you know, if there's something that platform engineering could do differently, and I think this is something else charity majors hits on is like, Hey, if you will being more the interface to like lots of others, you know, vendors where it's like, Hey, let's not try to build an upgrade this ourselves. Let's just know how to like work with AWS or, go GCP and, and quickly, you know, adopt the new thing that they're providing and make it part of our standardized way of doing it right away. Right. 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 right, And and so, I mean, I think there's just no way around it because you just can't have, because I think even on the development side, it's like, you know, you can't keep changing stuff all the time and not want to own it. And at the same time, want total flexibility. So you kind of have to have some realistic expectations. There is an application, a group of application developers, like where am I willing to sit? And I think if we were to guess, it's like, platforms have some type of lifetime there's sort of like some period of two to three years where it's like ah this is pretty solid like we can probably stay with this and not add something new but then there will be a time when we want to turn it over and that is always as a difficult moment for every organization right right okay yeah yeah and and then so the second thing which i think i think i think became a flaw in devops is that and and I think maybe the platform engineering people do this, but again, I need to go do this. Is like, I think it's really important for this this kind of line of thinking to be very explicit about the technology that you should be using to achieve this stuff. And so, let me give you an example, right? Like, like is there platform engineering for mainframes and AS four hundreds? Like, probably not. Right, like if you're Probably using that tool is. chain, <laughs> yeah. But but you know, the, whoever's whoever's porting Kubernetes to that stuff is like, yeah, there is, and I've got your use case right here. Right, right. But exactly, like you said it right there is like so. Probably what most of the people are talking about here is you're using Kubernetes, right? So there's that, right? Like. That's okay. probably, I mean, and you know, you don't have to be, but that's kind of probably like the focus that people have. And then you have the next level of stuff of like, all right, and that implies this kind of architecture for your application. So you're probably doing things this way, right? And like, it's almost like, you know, like, like it's similar in the DevOps world and, and this is still around, but like there's this multi-year conversation of like GitOps going around, which it's right there in the name. It's like, here's this one technology that we're very prescriptive about you using in more or less this prescriptive way to achieve one of the DevOps things. 
But then it also kind of starts to break down, right? Like, it's almost like there probably should be a lot tighter discussion of, like, use these technologies and we as, like, the platforming platform engineering world kind of, like, certify that they're cool or that these are your best way of doing stuff, right? And as another extreme example, right, like, a lot of this stuff, I think we were talking about this last week, is just, like, I mean, eventually one day when everyone goes to using the public cloud, it'll probably solve a lot of these problems in, in, oh, in the sense of, of for sure. yeah, yeah in, in the sense like you'll just remove so much worrying about all the infrastructure management. And I mean, you know this better nowadays than most people, Matt Ray, but like you, you also will remove a lot of like cost problems because you won't have much of an option. Like, like there won't be this constant comparison between this and not cloud. Of course, they'll be like shutting things down and like, you know, managing how you're doing stuff. But that all, all of that, like under the application layer stuff, like gets a little bit easier. And then also, I mean, you know, there's more upgradability of the services that you use. And then also your developers have more choice of, of things that they can use. So that's another thing of just like, yeah. So in the ideal platform engineering world, like, would everyone be using public cloud? But my whole point being that I don't know the answers to all that stuff is like, that would be fantastic if we got back to just like, use this technology, like do this thing and use it this way, right? Like, uh, here's how you should package applications up so that they can be deployed instead of it just sort of being a little like, um, you know, not, not, so even I, not even coloring the lines. It's like, here's a blank sheet of DevOps paper. You draw the lines and the colors. And I think right? that's like, where we are just as an industry, right? It's sort of like, I think you're right. Platform engineering is more, it, it is sort of looking at the future applications, like the things that are even, I would even go beyond Kubernetes, just things that can be built, you know, in the cloud that are you know, very friendly workloads and development patterns that are, you know, can take advantage of those services. So I think going forward, it probably does make sense to have this platform engineering and then now, where we are now is we're over this, in the switchover of however much, you know, 80, 90% of IT still on-premise or something like that. And it's like, that's what makes this very hard. It's like in the interim, there's still plenty of VMware. You already mentioned the mainframe, you know, numerous, whatever, probably client server applications and things like that, that are probably more suited for like, at least in the way Charity Majors defines it, like a DevOps kind of thing, right? There is still a lot of just like, get the infrastructure, manage the infrastructure, all the things you're talking about. Mm -hmm. They upgrade the, the VMware XYZ to the latest version, do all the patching, do all the security. And that, you know, this will probably play out over a long period of time, right? And it will never officially go away, but maybe in the future, like most things are just workloads that are fairly portable, built on platforms we know about. But in the interim, we still have a lot of legacy technology to manage. Right, right. And, and, and none of this is, is like in, in, a, in a vendor FUD way to be like, oh, that's all adorable and cute. It's just like, you know, I think I think by talking about technology more than DevOps does nowadays, it's easier to fit along with and solve those problems to get to the the other half, the the kind of newer development stuff, uh, instead of kind of like ignoring it. And then, and then to that end, and again, I have to finish my studies, as it were, to see <laughs> to see what the community thinks of itself rather than what I'm projecting on it from, you know, years of platformy stuff. But I I think there is a bit more like um, practical practical practices <laughs> or practical thinking in platform engineering in a different way than in DevOps, right? And so this comes up in two areas. And one of them is like, so, you know, uh, thanks to team topology and, and, and other stuff, I mean, we, we use this phrase in pivotal Tanzu land and, you know, 
largely thanks to uh, like Paula and other people like her, the the idea of having a platform as a product. And that the the thing that's kind of different there, hopefully in platform engineering, is the idea of like if you treat your developers as customers, then you're going to need a product manager, and you're product managing uh, what's in your platform, which. I mean, you could kind of like pull that out of DevOps, but I don't know if in the DevOps discussion they were like, you need a product manager, right? Again, being that explicit about, and then, and then part two, here's what product management is, which I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm being arrogant about my, my operations friends, but I feel like that's not a thing that operations people think about necessarily, right? Like what product (laughs) management is and and then the other thing, and, and there must be more of these, but the other practical thing that I've seen come up a few times is the whole like, all right, and, and this gets this this kind of gets contrary to my like, you know, it's it's not all culture stuff, like as always, it's both things. But uh the other thing is like, well now we need to get people to use our platform, which like, you know, I've called this over the years like internal marketing, but I think advocacy is probably a good word. But it's just like yeah, in your organization, you're going to have to go out to all these people and basically, as we vendors would do, market to them to uh, get them to use the platform. And then the thing that you want to do that's nice and and cuddly is you want to have it be a two-way street. Where And once you have a product manager in place, this totally makes sense. Without a product manager, the following is a little hard to do. But if you're going out and talking to your customers, the developers, and of course your other stakeholders of security and compliance and blah, 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 uh, Though that 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 thrilling pack of 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 funsies there, uh, but then when you're when you're out there talking uh, with those people, you can take stuff that they've said and bring it back to product management to kind of be an indication of how you can make the uh, the platform better. But so those two things come up more or less. Uh, well, they come up in platform engineering more than than ever they kind of have in DevOps, which I think is another interesting aspect of it being something new and evolved is. It's focused on being very clear about we're supporting developers, and then two, how are we going to support them? What are the actual practices we're going to do beyond beyond like the culture things? Because you know, if you were to say like, oh, okay, now you need to go get like I don't even they must still do this. You would know, Brandon. Like we're going to go send you to the pragmatic product management course, and you're <laughs> going to learn how to product manage because like it's going to be as specific as you need to prioritize 15 things and the two that we're going to do this week. Da-da, product management, right? Like, you know, there's all this other stuff around product management, but ultimately what it, the, one of the most important things that will come down to is just like, yeah, so what do we develop this week? <laughs> and, right. and like, but I do think, I mean, do being more um, pragmatic about the whole thing is like, you know, if I was someone just like, hey, you know, take over, like you're the head of platform engineering for XYZ company or you're putting it in, I think, you know, I would start with like a pretty simple approach. Be like, okay, well, first let's, you know, uh, assume, let's assume that we can use the public cloud. There's no objections to that and be like, okay, well, I'm going to go out. I'm going to make, get some general idea about what we're doing and say, okay, we're going to start. Our platform's going to start with, I'll probably just pick one AWS for the sake of this example and say, okay, we're going to build everything on AWS. I'd either hire a, like an expert solution engineer for AWS or like, you know, I'd find that group internally and say, okay, the first thing we're going to do, all the developers, we're going to make all the AWS, you know, console complicated, all the things that are complicated about that and be like, okay, here's how you do it. Here's the template you use. Here's your logins. Here's how you do it. Here's the pipeline. And we're going to start there. And we're just going to like, our product is AWS. And then we're going to look at it and be like, 
hey, can we just keep everybody using this? Does this do everything we can possibly want it to do? And yeah, then, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's so going to remove it, a whole bunch of constraints. Right, right. but as, and then as soon as people start to say, okay, well, tr- I got this. Brand new, and then that starts to build my backlog of requirements. would be like, okay, well, I got this application or this yeah. new thing. Development's come and says, like, I want to use this new service from this other place because it does something better. And you say, okay, how can I start to put that in there, right? And then, especially if you have somebody that's been in ops for a while or been at that company for a while, like they could become the natural product manager of that group. It's like, okay, well, do you know how everything works in AWS for our company? Now people are starting to add this. Are you interested in doing that? You, know, you start to build that that skill in-house rather than go out and just like, you know, you know, hire somebody from the outside, like an MBA and be like, do a classic product manager. It's just like, you can probably find someone, right? That's sort of like already kind of doing part of that and just help them, along the path. And then, you know, over time, right. It's like, you may end up with like a lot of best of breed services. Yeah. It turns out we need this other, you know, tool. We like snowflake, right. That's going to be our analytics answer because somebody came to us and that's what we want. And, you know, and, and the list goes on and on. So probably a couple of years goes by and you, what you're managing there is probably four or five core pr- public service providers. Right. And you've got the expertise, but you know, you're trying not to build a lot of stuff internally. Now, eventually mm-hmm. someone maybe shows up and says, Hey, I got to have stuff internally. It's got to work, work on premise. And so now maybe I call you Kote and your team. I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk about Tanzu. Let's come over, you know, right. and then, you know, it starts to get fairly complicated at that point. And, and we're like, we're like the, the new version of the Tanzu application platform just came out and it has air gap abilities in it now. So, so we <laughs> right. can have an air gap like conversation. We, we need go, it, right? Finally, finally I can run VMware on premises. But the yeah. part I think, dude, back to your marketing part, it's like, you know, if you can start that way, if you're in a position to start that way, it's hopefully some of the, the marketing of the internal, like people are, um, is a little, you know, not as hard, right? Because hopefully people are excited about using, like, we're going to pick a leading technology provider. I think any of at AWS is your Google. Like, I think you can find people like, hey, we're going to make sure that you know all these tools. This is the latest stuff. This is where all the greatest stuff is coming from. And then when Cloudflare, Cloudflare uh, introduces something great, like, we don't say no. We say, okay, let's let's get on the phone with them and see if we can do it. But there, there we're not trying to build everything and upgrade everything, right? And that would be almost like it's the product managers kind of sell people. It's like, Listen, I want to do what you, whatever everybody wants us to do. I want you to have the access to it, but just know if I got to bring it on premise and I got to own it, there it will start to go slower because I got to upgrade all the things you said, Kote. I got to upgrade it. I got to maintain it. If it's just signing up for Cloudflare and getting it in our AWS environment, that's going to be a lot simpler, right? That's going to be a lot less work for me. So that would be some of the trade offs. I think if you're in the meeting with the developers, like I got to run everything on premise, be like, okay, that's going to slow down. Maybe there's a way we can keep it off. Yeah. In the public cloud and let, let the hard work go to these other teams wherever possible. Yeah. And, and, you know, your, your, your start with AWS thing, like raises another thing that would be, that I think would be beneficial. And that is, you know, I don't know if there's some platform engineering, like think tank yet, but like they should, uh, they should come up with like a platform architecture. Like I know everyone's always afraid well, to like nail down a diagram, <laughs> but it's just like, I mean, I, I'm a pretty firm believer in like, like, everyone's always going to end up with the same boxes and arrows they're just going to end up calling them well, different they're, things they're gonna so yeah, they're so, gonna get that that burger with yeah the platform yeah and the and not not to be all three-tier old person and be but you know like like you, you know you're gonna have your infrastructure you're gonna have some middleware and then there's moving pixels on the screen and it's just like <laughs> And, and like, you know, add some detail to that. And then you have the stuff alongside of it. It's just like, what's your, to use the old phrases for it, what's your release and configuration management? Then you've got how you do, I mean, you could take the old ITEL book and rename stuff. They know all the categories. 
And like, and then there's like how you deal with incidents. And part of that is like, you better instrument in your applications. And so it's just sort of like, we're all going to build the same platform. And you could, you could take all the public cloud vendors and us and, you know, the rest of us vendors, uh, like, like the VMware Tanzu people. And you could pretty much like take that standard diagram, whatever it is, and then like show how each of those, those stacks implement it. And that would be incredibly helpful to the point of like what you're saying is, I think a lot of people over the decades, if not over the years, a lot of the waste in the system is dueling coming up with the diagram, right? And like all the <laughs> things that you need in the diagram. Whereas that's that's the, the one of the great things about like your your approach, Brandon. If you when you start with like whether it's AWS, Google, or as people should really do when they start with VMware Tanzu, uh, you, you don't have those dueling diagram meetings. You're just like, nope, this is the diagram. Well, you We're can go done with further. that. As I say, you can go uh, even further, right? Because all of the vendors, I'll just say, I'll, you know, I'll just say, like, you know, my my day to day life, you know, the five that I talk about the most are AWS, Azure, Google, Red Hat, OpenShift, and VMware Tanzu. So it's like, so what's nice is like all of those vendors I just mentioned, all five, right? Uh, they all have reference architectures for like almost everything. So you could just like, like, so if someone's saying like, okay, I'm in charge, I, I'm the pr uh, product manager for the new platform engineering group, I literally would walk, I would probably just either print them out or just put them all up. Be like, okay, here are the five reference, like, you know, based on what we're want. trying to build, you know, you told me we're building like a web app, mobile thing, X, Y, Z, like I would literally just get all of them. And maybe we just go through and be like, okay, you know, application development team, like which one of these, you know, either does our application already kind of fit or do we want to use? And then, you know, and everyone can kind of raise right, their hand. Right, right. Like, I like go. I'd be like, all right, let's talk to the GCP people. And then people are like, no, no, well, no. I got, yeah. We got to have this other thing. You know, I really like uh, Lambda. I'd be like, all right, let's go. You know, you literally could just kind of move around the room until you got some consensus, right? And well, you said, okay. Right. Well, they're, they're, that's going to be the beginning of our, our platform there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the phrase I was looking for is the old, the old reference architecture. Like that's, that's uh, we, we, need, we need one of those from the platform engineering cabal. I mean, so well, they so are out there. There's plenty of that. That is the yeah. one thing I think the vendors have delivered in spades. Like you can get a platform engineering uh, architecture from everybody. So like that, well, that is a good starting point. And then you can, to your point, maybe you just grab, grab the red marker and people can start like crossing stuff out and be like, I don't want this. I want this. And then I guess if it, if it starts to have a bunch of things from different places, then that starts to be your platform. You're like, okay, I want this from Google. I want from this from AWS. I want this from VMware. Okay. Now we got to start figuring out how the, all that's going to work together. I mean, mm -hmm. this, this week we had, you know, the uh, GCP had their, you know, their uh, Cloud Next keynote and whatnot. And I feel like that's, they're trying to pitch themselves as, you know, hey, we're that platform. And <laughs> all those things that you, the enterprise customer have, we're filling in the red space. And, you know, don't don't look at those other people. Yeah, we can't help but manage AWS a dozen times. But, um, you know, you should come to our platform because we could be that reference architecture for you. And, you know, they're talking about mainframes, they're, they're talking about, you know, digital transformation, supply chain, you know, they're trying to fill that other stuff in. And when you contrast that to like the other AWS and Azure, they're, they've already kind of moved on from that. They're like, yeah, we got that part. <laughs> and maybe this is a, you know, maturity or perceived maturity, but uh, I don't know. That, that, that was kind of my takeaway is Google's still playing the, please take us seriously card. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting watching, uh, I guess, Ignite Keynote was uh, on Wednesday of this week, and then the GCP one was on the day before the Tuesday. And so I, I agree, like, I really did come across, like, the Google Cloud Next Keynote by uh, Thomas Curion was, like, 
it was fine. It was one hour, right? But it was a little bit like disjoint, right? It was a little, it was kind of all over the place, right? And I think to your point, like Matt, it's sort of like, I think they, they kind of want, like, I think Google inherently wants to be a platform PaaS company. That's like, that's kind of what they really are when you look at like search and YouTube and even like mm. their internal infrastructure that's so heralded, right? Like Borg and all that. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, they're always doing the other stuff because they feel like they have to, but, <laughs> but they're kind of like not into it. And so like, I don't know, the keynote kind of like to me, it was like real disjoint. Whereas then uh, watching the Microsoft one, I thought was excellent, right? I thought, uh, you know, Satya Nadella went through kind of like his, he kind of outlines, I think it was like five or six IT imperatives, but it was just like, it was just easy to follow, right? It was basically just what you were saying at the beginning of this program, Kote, you said like, okay, first he's going to go over the infrastructure stuff. We're going to talk about compute and storage and networking. Then we're going to talk about the databases and the analytics. And then we're going to talk about some services on top of that AI. And then we're going to talk about how we can help our end customers, our IT people with some things around teams. And it was just like super, I mean, it was like very consumable, information dense, well presented, right? And you're just like, I get it. Like if I'm at Microsoft, I know exactly what they do now. And I know exactly which sessions I'm going to go to based on my role. And so, you know, it's interesting kind of like as we kind of, you know, as, as really as Google, I guess, sort of continues to try to find its way. I don't know. Like I'm, I kind of come back to like, are they playing? Like, I don't know. Do they really want to play in this game of like, cause AWS and, and Azure are just like, I mean, they're kind of just mirror images. Like you kind of, it's so easy to see what's going on. And then you watch the Google one, and you're just it just it does make you feel like it's different. I guess I should say leave it there and just say like it looks different. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's different. Well, I, I guess I, I like I, I like I like your uh, your framing here that the Google wants to be the Google Cloud wants to be a a developer platform more so than just like everything in IT. And so like their 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 workspace stuff or whatever they call it kind of like confuses us which is probably just like an unfortunate like organization placement right like right. i you know the the in, infrastructure stuff and editing documents doesn't really belong in the same area but that's a discussion for another time uh but you know i guess like google cloud doesn't have like virtual desktops like amazon has and it doesn't have just like I mean, I I don't know the Venn diagram, but it'd be interesting to see the diagram of like what Google Cloud does versus AWS and Azure, right? And what the 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 other thing around there is, because I would assume that definitely AWS just want just does everything, regardless right, yeah. of if you have developers using it or not. And then <laughs> and then and then, and then Azure maybe by just the nature of it being Microsoft does some of that stuff, just like identity management and things, but like. And then they probably also deliver like virtual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, they've and been then, working towards this platform. Model. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I guess I guess what I'm thinking with Azure is that to, exactly to your point is like they already had all of these things delivered over the internet or in the works, or it's a natural thing to happen to their yeah. products, and they could kind of just lump that into Azure, even though it doesn't really like. I I don't know, but. Yeah, I mean that would make sense, right? Because I don't know how Google, internal Google stuff works, but my understanding is like it's pretty much all a custom built stack of stuff that that you yeah. use. And so well, that would be the culture and the mentality is like, yeah, you want a well, you want an opinionated platform that has like the ways of doing things and you want as close as that to possible. And, and I, I know guess, uh, yeah, I the say, first four eight was up. a pass. Yeah, I was gonna say I know I have to wrap up here, but I think maybe maybe we just leave it here. Like, because I think in some ways, like the answer is like staring us in the face, or at least 
for me it was. It's sort of like if you just like literally read the names of it, it sort of tells you the aspirations. There's Amazon Web Services. So services is the key there. Like consume a bunch of things, do what you need to make it work for your life. And then you have Google Cloud Platform. I mean, literally platform is in the name, right? GCP, the P is platform. And it's like, the aspiration is like, no, 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 like run it, you know, run it on our platform, kind of do it the way we want. And I think like to me, that sort of like jumps out as to me, it's like, that's the different aspirations. And so who knows what will happen going forward? Like maybe the, the search for the platform will continue on. I think that's where Google wants to go. But like, you know, no one's found it yes, yet, right? You know, Heroku, our, our dream of the Heroku, successful Heroku uh, continues on. So, so maybe they'll look for it. But they're definitely seeking that platform, I think, more than Azure and AWS. Well, there's a lot to learn at conferences that are coming up. We've got a lot of them if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 381. Many conferences listed there. And uh, Matt Ray is going to be at one tomorrow. If, uh, if you can catch that. Oh, yeah, today. <laughs> I don't know. for me. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And uh, also in the past after this. Just to do a self-serving ad, we'll be talking about a lot of these things at Spring One Platform, which is December 6th and 8th uh, in San Francisco. Developer stuff, operation stuff, platform engineering, as the kids are calling it. Uh, and you can get $200 off if you use the code COTE200, but you should definitely uh, register for it. And with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this episode? Uh, my recommendation uh, this week is, is a throwback. I've been watching Malcolm in the Middle with my kids. Oh boy! And you might you might say like, what? You know, sitcom from the two thousands. We've been slowly like testing, uh, you know, our, the shows we used to watch on our kids, and some of them catch on. You know, uh, uh-huh. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Kids are enjoying that. Malcolm in the Middle, they they find hilarious. It's different though because they don't identify with the kids, <laughs> you know, which, you know, they're like, those kids are bad, <laughs> but, but, you know, so, so I, I, as, as a parent, I recommend, you know, figure out some of the shows that you used to watch, you know, like, and, and maybe some of them uh, might be age appropriate uh, to, to rewatch uh, with your kids. Cause you know, it's, it's fun to, fun to do that. Yeah. That would be enjoyable. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? All right. Well, before I get to my recommendation, just want a few things on the listener feedback uh, side of it. So I wanted to let everyone know that JD uh, from the Software Defined Talk Slack, he recommended this interview with uh, Pat Gellingzer, Gellingzer, your old uh, CEO, right over there at uh, oh sure um, VMware. But now he's, of course, the uh, CEO of Intel. And it was really good. It was a really dense interview. But like I've, I walked away thinking like, man, I know a lot more about Intel and just like all the crazy stuff that... Um, uh, that they that they're up to. So, uh, a couple things that jumped out at me is like I like uh, Pat had this phrase. He's like, you know, we're going to have the meeting in the meeting, which I liked. I don't know if you ever used that at VMware, but it was just like, oh no, like just the acknowledgement of like half the time the meeting doesn't take place in the meeting. So I thought that was really oh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The fact that he was really big on OKRs. I guess you know you reminded me, Kote, I and I uh, misspoke last week. I think I said Google invented OKRs, and he talked about that how Intel invented OKRs, but then they stopped using them, which of course like was a whole nother. Uh, uh, podcast i want them to do is like well why did intel stop because he's bringing them back and so i'm like but i bet you there were some smart people there before so i, I really want to know that um also i thought it was really interesting i've been like really thinking a lot about what i'm gonna call it like person-centric management or ego-driven management i know like you know we've talked about like sometimes it takes a big personality to like drive change and like if you listen to uh pat's like just the way he talks he talks a lot of like i and my like you know you know, I'm doing this, my team's doing this, I'm going to, you know, just sort of like he has a, you can tell he has a very strong opinion of himself and, and maybe that's what Intel needs. So 
um, really interesting. And also like, you know, one thing like a lot of people say is like, you know, detailed oriented and very data driven was another comment he made several times. So I, of course my analogous thought is always like, well, how many ideas does he never hear about? Because he said like, only bring me data. Don't bring me ideas. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, so anyway, I thought it was really good. I'm, I'm going to, I feel prepared if you will, to watch out, um, to see what's going to happen with Intel. Cause I, I feel like at least I understand that the strategies laid out. It's a very complicated one, but maybe it'll be successful. So over the next few years, uh, so check that out. And thanks to JD for recommending that in the Slack. Also recommended from the Slack. So Kote, maybe some homework for you. Maybe not. Mm. I watched uh, Coin. It's uh, the the new movie that's about um, um, the, uh, I guess, the IPO of Coinbase, right? Yeah. And uh, about that. So I watched it. I watched it last night. Family was out of town. So maybe next week, if you watch it or if Matt wants to watch it, uh, we'll do a quick review of that movie. So it's, I just wanted to, if everyone, if anyone wants to see it, it's on available on like uh, pretty much everything. Apple. How, how long is this? It's uh, I think one hour, 24 minutes. So wow. you have to buy it. You have to actually rent it. It's a real movie, right? It's a, so I have a lot of thoughts and I've tried not to read anyone else's review. I was like, I wanted to go in with my own thing. So I don't know, Kote. Hmm. So hmm. we'll see next week. Okay. If anyone wants right. to watch it, you get a whole week to watch it. And maybe we'll talk about it next week. If nothing else, I'll give you my quick review. Um, so check that out if you're interested. And then finally, um, you know, Kote, we have a huge migration project coming up here at Software Defined Talk. You didn't even know about it. Is that Heroku is going to deprecate uh, the ability to run free services. So our Slack signup is not going to work anymore. I, you know, no SSHJJ. We've been working it out, trying to figure out where do we migrate it to? Do we have to switch platforms? How do we uh-huh, keep the Slack uh-huh. sign up? So most importantly, if you want, it's still working now. Of course it's working. We're going to solve it in the future. So if you want to sign up to the Slack and you want to use the current procedure, go, go to softwaredefinedtalk.com right now and uh, sign up for the Slack. That way uh, you won't be caught up in any migration issues one day when they happen. I, I, mean, I mean, don't we just like, I'm going to be the developer in reference to everything we're talking about. Like, don't we, shouldn't we just move to discord? Isn't that, isn't that what we should do? (laughs) We can do that. We can move to discord. Like can we move everyone over to discord or I'm thinking, so the, uh, the options are, I think JJ can hook us up with moving it over to IBM's code engine. So just kind of do what we do today before Uh it looks like in Slack though, you can, I could do like an email invite and basically just has a link. And that link is good for some period of time, like 90 days. So we could just use that oh, link yeah, yeah. and then renew the link every 90 days. Will we as an IT group be able to actually remember to renew the link every IT? Man, that, this is all a perfect. That's, that's a questionable decision. I don't know if we could do it. I don't know if JJ, because he gets no money for this. I'm not sure he's willing to manage us in Code Engine. And then you, then you said before, the, the, uh, the mother of all migrations is like, okay, everybody that's in Slack, we're moving to Discord. I don't know. I don't know. So this, those this are our migration like a, options. It's like a microcosm of everything we ever talk about. Like we got, like we're, we're introducing uh, some tech debt is that every 90 days we have to make sure to renew this thing. It's like, you know, making sure you do your, your DNS or whatever. I know that doesn't exactly match, but like we have this one manual thing that needs to happen and we could, we could predict with the utmost certainty where the failure will be right <laughs> and and then and then of course right like you know uh clearly to uh you know you want to start again so you def- you definitely need to move to discord that's <laughs> that's what you need to do and i i feel like there must be if not built into discord just some sort of thing like enter in your slack uh admin credentials and we'll just move everything for yeah, you yeah just by like, magic suck yeah maybe maybe so. i mean well, that just- that would be that would and the pricing like i looked this up a while ago the pricing is basically like 
I'm very confused about the pricing of Discord. I think it's it's free except for not free for some stuff. Like it's almost like it was optional to pay for it, which doesn't make any sense. There must be some business model there. But their pricing page it's not it's not they don't sell by cores so, or seats. <laughs> so I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's something else. No, well it is interesting. So we'll see um we'll see what to do with that. But of course, you know, what we really would want, you know, this is just kind of back to like, you know, the uh, product managers of Slack is like, we really would just like, why not just give us a web link that just sort of like exists in uh, yeah. perpetuity that like, you it's know, or sends us an email like every 90 days. Cause I think there's another way to do it where like it'll up to a certain amount of invitations before it expires. And it's like, no, we just want a link that'll sit out there until such time yeah. that we either kill it off or like, or they could tell us like, Hey, we're seeing that this is being abused, like do something. So, um, but of course, like they don't care about us because we, right. and, and, you know, and, and to be fair, we're never going to pay for this. So I was, like, was going to say, and that, that is, that is the, the most, uh, the most, um, what's the word representative or metaphoric of this conversation to all of our, our, uh, our infrastructure talk is, is the one thing that is not on the table is actually paying for anything. <laughs> That, that that clearly <laughs> we're not that's not up on the big board of things that's to true do. i mean it pretty much is it but like i would say if they offered some kind of licensing model that was even reasonable we could at least consider it but that but why would they right like they don't they yeah don't. yeah no, and, not and worth any time their their, their their sales process would be terrible they would be like well you know because they of course you do an roi spreadsheet and be like for the p- price that you're paying you know you you're going to get so much value out of it and we would be like no we wouldn't <laughs> like the price. The price is going to far exceed the value that we get from no, it. Because no, it's so exactly expensive. right. So. <laughs> There's no- all right. All right. Well, this is a lot. So that's all the listener feedback stuff. Uh, again, you know, join us in the Slack, go to software to find talk to uh, software to find talk.com Slack is right there at the top. Join it. All right. Uh, long, long uh, work up to my recommendation. I'll just keep it real simple. I think probably everyone's heard of the show house of dragons. I was late. I didn't get started with it till recently. I was sort of like, I don't know, after Game of Thrones, I was like, do I want to watch another one of these? Well, yeah, I finally got going on it and I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Like, so I think it's on eight episodes. So it's pretty bingeable at this point. Like, I think it's just been solid. It's just nice. Also, too, like, I think it goes a little bit faster as far as timeline than Game of Thrones. So it's like, it's just one season, but like lots of years pass, lots of things happen. Whereas the times of Game of Thrones, like, you know, entire season went by and they're still at the same castle. And you're like, man, we ever get, we ever getting anything done. <laughs> um, whereas house of dragons is like the pacing's a little bit faster. So you, you know, you already know if you're the person who likes it, if you like game of Thrones, especially the early part of game of Thrones, you'll probably like house of dragons. So check it out. Yeah. I think, I think it, it has a lot more usability features to it. Like it's, it's the, you got a lot less things going on, a lot less people just kind of like one plot going through there. And, uh, and then, you know, you actually, things actually happen which well they sort of happen i don't know yeah it's fun i stayed up too late the other night watching that uh well my recommendation is this little video uh, i came across what's this guy's name i he he's the guy who puts on the uh the interesting conference in uh uh the uk which seems like it'd be fun to go to but i can never come up with a business justification for it again the idea of actually paying for it is not even <laughs> on the table <laughs> but it's this guy russell davies and uh, I was just checking in on his stuff. He's got a good blog, you know, uh, whatever. I, w- I won't get myself sidetracked. But he's got this good little video called Draw a Triangle. And, uh, you know, there's a great moment in the middle where, you c- where he just is like, I don't know, I'm just making this up. But the technique, you can tell he's done consulting work before because that's what this for is. 
it's a it's this technique he goes over. I mean, you should watch it, but I'll give a a little preview of it. Where like if you're trying, you're in a bit, you're in the big meeting, you're trying to do some sort of strategic question. You know what you're going to do, planning, and things have stalled out. He's like, here's what you do: draw a triangle, and then on the three sides of the tri or the three points of the triangle, just come up with some way of like some of the characteristics of what you're thinking about. And I think the example he uses is like telco stuff. So it's like you know network this is not exactly the example but it's like network speed pricing phone availability and he's like and then just start there now you've sliced up the question into three things and you can also play around with what you put in the middle and like so it's just an idea framing of uh uh, how to do something and and the great part is he does this whole lead up in the middle he's just like or you know you could put whatever i'm just making this up which is exactly the point of a tool like this is, uh, you know, everyone's just making shit up basically, and so it's good to ha- it's good to have a tool that kind of simplifies and formalizes it, formalizes it and uh, documents they're making up. But I think it's a useful tool, and I think it's only uh, uh, it's less than two minutes to see how to use a triangle. It'll change your life. Now, the question you may be having, uh, you know, my test for any uh, sort of uh, white collar thought technology. If you were uh, planning a wedding, would you use this? Probably not. I, I just like you couldn't actually use a Kanban board to plan out your wedding. I don't think you could uh, use the triangle, draw a triangle. To, to sort through things. That would be great if you could draw a triangle to uh, uh, do family stuff. You know, I, I actually purchased this book hoping it was called something like I don't know. It's one of these things like you know how to run your fa- not run your family, how to make family stuff better. And uh, one of the suggestions they had. The, he actually, the author actually had met someone who was doing Scrum, and he really, the, this author really liked the stand-up meeting, you know, having people go over stuff, so he tried to incorporate that. And then uh, the other suggestion was the one that I'm sure all of us, tech people and white-collar people, have dreamed of is, why don't we just have, like, a family meeting every Sunday to plan out the week ahead? And that's a whole chapter, and it's like, yeah, why don't we do that? Why, that would be great. Why don't you tell me how I can get people to do that? But um, anyways, draw a triangle. You should check that out. Well, you've been listening to Software Defined Talk, where we like to draw triangles and uh, plan out the next week, have a stand-up meeting, all those sorts of things. Uh, If you want to get the show notes for this episode, there's all sorts of things we didn't talk about that uh, our community and us have been tracking throughout the week in our weird little uh, infrastructure-y, developer-y world here. But you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 381. And uh, go check that out. Also, uh, you should subscribe to my newsletter. All sorts of fun stuff there. Maybe too much stuff. But if you go to kote.io slash newsletter, you can sign up for it. Really, all you have to do is sign up for it. You can immediately set something up to delete the email when it gets sent to you. This is the same policy for subscribing to the podcast. (laughs) What's important is that you subscribe to it. Listening to it is just your extra bonus for uh, the the good work that you're doing. Uh, So with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Also, also, I think blue painter tape is the uh, MacGyver's duct tape of the uh, the twenty first century. I think that's that's what definitely we all is need. around the house to like measure stuff, like yeah. put, put stuff. Like, it's it's definitely uh, it's because it's, it's it's better than a note a notepad or a, what oh, is it yeah. like or a masking post-it tape. note. You know, you just like yeah, throw some painter's tape on that. Yeah, can I just say fuck masking tape? Masking <laughs> tape is fucking bullshit. Like, there's no reason for it to exist. You say that now. Uh, well, if you have blue painter tape, you don't need masking tape, I yeah. think is the thing. 
I have a great. I was going to say you, when right. you need I to close think... up a box, but you know what? Wrapping tapes. Better. I mean, yeah, use, it's, the, it's, use the uh, well, the packing tape for that. The shipping. You don't. I think masking tape. I, I, I agree with you. I think that is completely. It's either blue tape or the clear. You don't need yeah. masking. Yeah. Masking yeah. tape. Yeah. Every useless. every time I use masking tape, I'm like fucked again. Masking tape has <laughs> fucked me again. Is, is blue painters tape really? Is is it just masking tape that's blue? No, I wonder what it's the actual sticky. Is it what it is? Okay, I wonder if it's just like masking tape with less glue or something. And I think I, I think oh, I think sure, blue yeah. painters tape is like more sturdy, right? Masking tape is like really really thin. I don't know. They're shy. probably about the same. But but the point is, you can get blue painters tape in different colors. All right, good. That was an excellent, excellent end, Matt. Always count on you to bring it home.